Listening Room, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of sound, presented by Kef. My name is Jack Sharkey, and I'd like to welcome you to The Listening Room. This podcast is brought to you by Kef, where music is not just a passion, it's an obsession. Today's guest, Christian Scott, released his international debut in 2006, which was lauded by Billboard as arguably the most remarkable premiere the genre has seen in the last decade. He's an incredible musician who is not only strengthening the ties we all have to that great American music, jazz, but he is also deeply involved in the Guardian Institute, a nonprofit in his hometown of New Orleans that is dedicated to providing reading and fiscal literacy as well as cultural retention to youth in underserved areas of his hometown. His 2015 release, Stretch Music, an excellent jazz record all on its own, was also released with an app that allows musicians of all levels to mix themselves in with the music on the record, providing them a chance to play and learn from an amazing group of musicians. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next half hour with a talent who is carrying the torch of American jazz while at the same time giving back to his community, as well as changing the way we look at the recorded music experience. I'm delighted to welcome Christian Scott to the listening room. Hey, this is Jack, and I'm on the phone with Christian Scott. He's in New York right now, and he's, he's going to be leaving for uh, Long Beach, California in a, in a couple of hours, so we're going to sit and chat a little bit about his music and about his touring and uh, about a, an app that he's got out that uh, is really, really kind of cool, so I want to go over that technology a little bit too. So, But before we get started, Christian, thank you so much for joining us at the listening room today. No, oh, thank you. I'm excited to jump in. And I was, you know, in doing my prep today, I was I was listening to Stretch Music, and um, there's just two songs I cannot get enough of on that record, and that's Perspectives and and West West by West. Oh, cool. um, they, yeah. So I I just wanted to kind of let you know that that those are really two of my favorites, and 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 I guess what I hear, and maybe this is just me. I know you're from New Orleans, and I know you went to school in Boston, but I can't help but think that if Miles were still around, this is the kind of music that he would be making. Is that something that comes from your influences, or is that just something I'm picking up? Well, you know, I, I, I people say this a lot, um, and and I obviously I can hear what they hear. Um, you know, I think um, you know, it's, you know, when when you go through like the, the cast of folks that I sort of came up under and like apprenticed under. Um, to develop my sounds and my band and all these things. A lot of them are also like, uh, you know, they were disciples of Miles Davis. Some of, some were uh, apprentices to him, right? Um, so my uncle is a guy named Donald Harrison. He's an alto saxophonist. You know, he came up under Miles. He created a, a way of playing in the 90s that we call people swing that. My sound, stress music is derivative of in some ways, right? Um, I also, you know, Wallace Ronan, a great trumpeter, was a, uh, an apprentice of Miles, and you know, I spent some time with him and shared a lot of love things with him as well. Played with Marcus Miller's band, who obviously produced a lot of music for Miles in the latter years of his career, and, and did a Miles Davis project with him actually. We visited him too. Um, I played with Jimmy Cobb, who was Miles Davis' drummer in the fifties, right? Uh, for Kind of Blue and a lot of those, you know, incredible recordings, you know, the, uh, on Sony. Columbia. Also played with Ron Carter, right? <laughs> Who was Miles right. Davis' bass player in the second great quartet. So so I think um, my proximity to so many musicians that one way or another, um, you know, his nephew Vincent, I played in the Miles Davis Electric Band with, with, with Vincent. So, um, so my proximity to his sound, to his uh, disciples, 
um, since I was, you know, since I was about 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old when I started going on the road. Um, this is almost 20 years ago now. Um, it had been so close that I think it would be would have been very difficult for me to not pick up on some of those um, sort of uh, elemental things uh, that, you know, most people would, like, identify as being, like, sort of mildly and tropes, right? Um, but also for me, one of the things that I enjoy most about him, not just as a player, um, obviously a very tactful player, um, incredibly personal sounds, um, but it's what he could do with the musical environment. And the fact that even though he was such a captivating and riveting player, he had the ability to shift and change uh, and contour musical landscapes in a way that, that no one else, you know, up until this point, I'm sure, has been able to do at such a high frequency and, such, and also at such a, a uh, an incredible level in terms of musically what was actually happening, right? So for me... I think a lot of times people, when they make the correlation between Miles Davis, which has happened a lot in the last 20 years, uh, sometimes they're talking about the claim, but what I enjoy most is like what you said. is like, you know, if he were around, he'd be making music like this. So really they're not so much talking about the trumpet playing as much as they're talking about the musical environment, which um, as a conceptualist um, is kind of, you know, for me is sort of the highest compliment anyone can pay you. In this field is to say that, you know, that what you're doing musically harkens back to or reminds them of or gives them a sense of um, a guy that most creative improvisers see as, you know, the greatest architect in terms of like the sonic landscapes and sonic realities in music. So, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I can hear that too. And Miles is definitely an influence of mine. And I, I think on a, on a broader point too, to even kind of stretch on that a little bit, understanding you kind of, to me, harken back to the bebop, what I would call the golden age of American jazz, the late 50s, early 60s, New Orleans and New York, rather than the, the jazz that so many of us grew up on in the, in the 70s and the 80s that were more sort of homogenized or, or didn't have that same sort of spirit to it. So, I mean, you, you draw that whole, that whole connection just a little bit further, and it's a really neat thing that, that I get from it because it's, it's that it's that wonderful bebop kind of a feel, or that, that you know that, that exploration kind of a feel, but it's done with a very very kind of modern uh, twist and you know modern production and so on and so forth. It's really really very cool. Thank you. I um, I'm really excited because we, you know we we we've also recorded some more documents and we're going to be putting out multiple joints next year too that sort of uh, expand on the stretch music idea. So. Um, I can't wait to get that in your hands too. Oh man, absolutely. Um, you got so, <laughs> talking about stretch music and, and talking about you know what you do, and 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 we're, I want to kind of touch on some of the outreach things that you've done and 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 how you work with younger musicians and stuff, which is in in this art is so incredibly important. But where is the state of jazz in our culture right now? Well, I think. Um, this is always uh, this, this is a, uh, a very difficult thing to sort of to define where that is, right? Because it's it depends on where you go, right? right. Um, you'll find that sometimes you may go to um, let's say you go to Cardiff in the, the UK, and um, you would expect you know for what the biggest American stars to be someone like Kendrick Lamar or like J Cole or Kanye West and these type of people. 
Right. When you enter into these areas, the biggest the biggest stars are, you know, in that region uh, for American music uh, are guys like Robert Glasper, right? So, wow. You know, and you go to, you know, let's say you go to a French Guyana or something like that. And you would, you know, your expectation might be also that it might be a rapper or a pop star or something like that. And you'll find, you know, that they're really into a musician like VJ Iyer or Jason Moran. And that, like, you know, everyone there has their product. And you can go into the stores and there's pictures of the musicians. So the thing about jazz, like creative improvise, you know, it's it has the longest history in terms of a touring reality, right? Right. So every city that you go to, every city and every town that you go to worldwide has a jazz festival, right? So so the level of exposure that these types of musicians get from traveling outweighs a lot of uh, what people would think uh, happens from, like, radio programming and things like that because the model is different in every different place, right? Like, you don't have the same type of top 40 uh, format in Suriname that you do in Chicago, Right. Right. So the so the what what the people are being fed and what's being disseminated to them in terms of a musical diet is a little bit different, right? So I'd say that the, the music is is um, as vibrant as as it ever was, right? It's hard to to um, qualify something like that when you, if you get to the nuts and bolts of like trying to break that down in terms of record sales. But remember, this is like kind of a different reality, right? You're already yeah, living in a time where people don't really buy records. You know, right. It was very real thing anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but, um, but in terms of the global impact, incredible. What you're talking about, um, is the American impact of this music. And I think the the popularity is on the rise again. But, um, I, I think Americans are finally encroaching into a space where the music they no longer are willing to be led around, uh, by huge record labels and by, you know, like Goliath radio programs. (laughs) Right. right. I hope so. so yeah. You know, yeah. they don't want they're they're sick of being you know, and this started the break started you know, kind of around you know, when the Napster iTunes thing, the download only thing started, you know, you could start to see things breaking down and sort of why the music industry kind of freaked out a little bit, but it was because people were sick of being browbeaten with music that had been like cleaned up and cookie cutter, uh, you know, music that had been sort of shoved down their throats, right? Because right. you know, if, and let's just be real. If you if you if you put a fifteen year old kid in the room and you play a song five times while he's in that room over the course of two or three days, it, it, whether the song is catchy or not, he's got it. He's heard it, <laughs> right? Exactly. And that's gonna affect him. He's gonna. You see what I'm saying? So this is what happens to uh, the American public. You know, to simple to oversimplify it on a lot of the but to simplify it, this is kind of what ends up happening to the American listener a lot. And so a lot of people have turned off the radio, and this is why you have Pandora and Spotify and these types of companies are so popular now, because you can customize things to your experience because people don't want to be led around anymore. Which is is actually a brilliant point, because, I mean, we all kind of grew up with that. It's, it's, we get conditioned by the, the stuff yeah. that's just in our heads all the time. Yeah, radio programming is just that. Yeah, yeah, and right. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, this is it, uh, we understand that it's a it's a part of um, it's a, a part of our our culture, it's folklore to a certain extent. So yeah, we get we understand that, and there's nothing wrong with it. But but you know, I think I think you put 
uh, the younger generation at a disadvantage of they're not aware of the fact that like a lot of the music that you hear on top of the radio is like this this music has been tested and vetted out uh, with sample audiences to see which ones are catchy enough and which ones are going to hold your attention because ultimately it's, it becomes about selling soap, right? It's right the, exactly. it's whatever's going to keep you glued to the station so they can sell you uh, soap or whatever, right? Right, um, right. It's because so, not a, it's not about the experience of the music. It's not about listening to somebody who's honed his craft for twenty years or you know who's a, who's a monster know. player. It's not about that. It's about let's get you in, let's get you out, let's get you on to the next commercial. And that's exactly. really not what it's all about. But you know, once again, it's great to hear that America's biggest export, you know, is is our, our music. yeah, arguably this music, yeah. Yeah, our blues and our jazz, and, and it's wonderful, and, you know, hopefully it starts bouncing back on our shores. So with that yeah. end, let's talk a little bit about your outreach to younger musicians and, and what mm-hmm. you do, because it's really fabulous stuff that you do. Thanks, man. Well, so, I, you know, I, I, uh, it's just very important to me that the next generation of people, not just musicians, you know, or are, are aware of the characters uh, that in this music, um, are aware of the fact that the music obviously has a nutritional value, which is, you know, something that desperately needed uh, when you uh, sort of, um, when you're when you're looking at that as it relates to the other music that is being forced down your throat, like we just talked about, right? Right. So, you know, I have a, a non-profit in New Orleans uh, for cultural retention with my family called the Guardians Institute. It started by my grandfather and my grandmother, my grandfather being the late... Big Chief Donald Harrison Sr. is the only got man to be a chief of four different tribes of black Indians in New Orleans. Which he's like the only so, one that ever did that, right? Yeah, he's the only guy that did that. Um, but, yeah. you know, but there have been, there have been many great chiefs, right? Uh, but that particular CD is the only one to accomplish. But, um, but, you know, he, it was very important to him, you know, that, that, that the community was aware of, of their actual history. Um, that they were nourishing, not just in terms of a musical diet, but also like were read, well read and, 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 you know, had sources of, uh, of, um, had spaces where they could educate themselves that were outside of, uh, you know, the schools that were in the area. Because if we're also being honest about what goes on historically in New Orleans, uh, a significant portion of New Orleans' populace is undereducated, so they can be a labor class there, right? Because the economy is based on tourism, right? So, you know, with an economy based on tourism, you have to have, uh, you know, people that are willing to do a lot of these jobs, and if you you actually educate people to a certain space, uh, they're less likely to be happy in certain spaces, right, or in certain stations. So, you know, you know, last year we gave away 44,000 books to area youth in the ninth war. Um, you know, we have Sankopa Saturdays, which is a program where, uh, that, where you, you know, we have things that range from, you know, one weekend might be, uh, West African rhythmic retention. The next weekend might deal with the culinary arts. So we may have a guest come in. The week after that, we might have someone come in and speak to the community about fiscal literacy, right? So That's we have the programs. Uh, which are really cool, and if you're interested in any of that, you can go to guardiansinstitute.org, and you know there's a space where you can donate and all of that if that's you know what you want to do. And you can also read up about the programming and potentially apply that or do that wherever you are as well. Um, so in addition to that, I also 
you know, lecture and, you know, do master classes worldwide. Most, uh, you know, I'd say a third of the cities that we go to are trying to do something that deals with, uh, you know, going to the universities or high schools or junior high schools and sort of engaging younger musicians and uh, tapping them and letting them know that, you know, that their contribution uh, is going to be valuable and that they have to start refining their efforts to sort of walk into that. So I thoroughly enjoy that work as well. And we also have a jazz camp that's called the New Jazz School that my uncle Donald is the director of, the assistant director of for years as well, which is, you know, jazz camp. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> And, and yeah. It's just so cool because it's you know it, I I love to hear and I think there's something that that people from New Orleans do maybe better than anybody else in the country is they they take care of their own they take care of their city they take care of their culture and and all but then you know to, to spread that vibe out and and so it's just it's so important to do and it, it's, I was really really impressed when I was reading that I have to say I got to jump in I was in New Orleans last weekend. And and this is just this is a point of a story. It's got no point, but I was walking down Royal Street with my with my wife, and the street was blocked off. And there was a cat playing trumpet down the end of the street. I have I took some video of it. He had the greatest tone. That I mean, his tone was just yeah. thrilling. And then of course it's in the city and the reverb and the buildings and all. And you don't get that experience anywhere. And I grew up in the New York area, and you just mm-hmm. don't get that experience anywhere but in New yeah. Orleans. It's wonderful. No, definitely, definitely a different experience, a very unique place. We, you know, we always say in New Orleans you can pitch a rock and hit a good trumpet player, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you know, I but I think a lot of that also has to do deal with, you know, like part of what I was saying earlier too, right? Like there historically there's only a certain amount of space uh, for a part of the community to be able to sort of ascend or sort of navigate to be able to like sort of, uh, you know, get out of a certain rung and to put, to put it lightly, I'm being a little cryptic, but sure. You know, it's, uh, it's, it is, it's very difficult. So I think for a lot of urban youth and, and, and black males specifically in the world, um, they don't have a lot of options in terms of, uh, what, uh, what is being extended to them in terms of like a vocation, right? right? So one of the ways that you know historically you can actually get out of that experience is that you play the trumpet because of what Louis Armstrong did and because of, you know, what guys like Doc Cheatham and guys like, you know, Wynn Marcellus and Terrence Blanchard, right? Sure. So, sure. so, you know, when you're in elementary school, there's 270 trumpet players, right? Because yeah. they, they, they know, you know, but it's also, too, conditioning, too. Like, you know, I grew up in a community in the era, you know, and hopefully a lot of this is changing, but, you know, a little black boy says that he wants to be a doctor. Usually he's told he can't do that, right? right. But the overwhelming majority of people are going to tell him, how are you going to do that, Right. Yeah, uh, which is which I think if that's not your experience, sometimes that could be unfathomable for someone to speak to children this way. But it's the reality of it, right? Yeah, and that's devastating. Um, you know, it's devastating to hear that, and you just you hate that. You know, so no, it's, it's it's terrible, right? But right, he knows right. that if he picks up a trumpet and refines that, then there's there's a space for him potentially, right? Yeah. So so generally he gets to work on that, right? But you know, like I said. Too, you know, you're talking about an environment that is incredibly competitive based on the fact that everyone is sort of trying to climb out of that, right? Yeah. So you, in, in order to be, you know, one of the real killers, you have to refine a lot. And the first thing you have to get together is a sound. 
right? Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, we parade in New Orleans. We play outside a lot where you don't right. have the benefit of walls to be able to help you with your sound carrying. You have to get people to come out to these second lines, which means you have to have a big sound or you can't play. You can't, you're can't. you ineligible to participate unless you have a large sound, right? <laughs> right. So, so you know, you know, you imagine, you know, from when you're 12, 11 years old to when you're 18 years old, you've had to go through thousands of trumpet players to be able to get to the position where you could probably improvise, right? We're yeah. just talking about being able to refine that and not being great, right? So, right. So this is partly why, you know, if you're walking down the street, you go into these clubs, you know, most of the cats that have made it their way into there, they've had to fight through a lot to be able to, to be in that position, even even if what you're talking about is playing on a corner. But just on that street corner, right? Just just to be in Yeah, to be well, because there. there's bully ball out there, too. Like, if you can't hold the corner down, then you got to get the fuck off the corner. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I'm just being honest, right? So, right, right. Uh, but, you know, is a, this is a part of it as well. At the end of the day, you know, there's as a player, now take all the cultural things out of it and just talk about being a musician, there's nothing wrong with that because as an audience member, I'm assured that I'm getting, like, the the best experience I can possibly get. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's never anything wrong with being in an environment where you want to have to refine themselves to be able to climb, right? Right. That's always a, a preference of mine, too, you know. Uh, it's, the only thing is that it just it can be disheartening that um, you have the volume that you have in terms of right. people going in the one direction because there are no other options. But, yeah, and that's but, the thing. but them being able to, um, you know, developing what they need to develop before they get to you is is partly why when people look at this community of musicians, they, they generally conclude that they're arguably some of the best in the world, right? Right. Um, because of what they have to go through to be able to, to get to your ears. Yeah, so and then, but then when you have people like you who, who, who have reached success and, and are out there doing it to, to, to bring it back, that kind of smooths out that double-edged sword that on one hand, it's excellent to have this, this competition because it makes my experience as a listener better. But on the other hand, you've got kids out there who are, are looking at the only way out or the only way up is, yeah. is through the trumpet, and, and, and that's tough. So... So that's a wonderful insight as to why the city, you know, why why people from that city take care of their own that way because there's yeah there's another side to it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about Stretch Music apps. Yeah. So, so how did that come about? Where where what's the genesis of that? And explain a little bit to the audience what exactly that app is. Um, so. The stretch music app is, um, man, it's really cool. I mean, this is like really sort of a, a life's dream of mine to be able to put this together. So it's been great to be able to work with a great team of people to, to finally be able to build it. But the app is um, the first of its kind. So it's an interactive media player of a record, or you could think of it as sort of, you know, like an interactive record, interactive CD, right, which allows you to customize your listening or if you're a musician practicing uh, experience, right, by right. by uh, adjusting and, and customizing the audio player to be able to fit your needs as a listener or, or someone that's practicing. As an example, if you let's say you play the trumpet and uh, you're playing along and you, you know you're learning to to play music through transcribing, which is what happens a lot with jazz musicians, right? 
Like, right. like a particular artist, like Miles Davis, they find a record of his, like Kind of Blues, a song like So What? And they listen to what he does and they mimic what he does to develop their taste and to develop their plan, right? But one of the things that is difficult as you start to get a little bit better is to try and figure out what your voice is over that environment. Right. The Stress Music app gives you the ability to be able to do that. So imagine if you're that same trumpet player, but you've got Miles Davis' album and you've played that album a million times, but now you want to play for yourself. Well, you can just hit a button or move a slider, a little fader, and take Miles Davis off the record, right? So you and can you play, play with Miles Davis. Right. So, and, and which is, this is what I love so much about it, too, is you actually get to play with the, the better, hipper, in vogue bands because you can actually do this to the hipper record, right? Right. So, right. It's amazing. So you can, you can mute any instrument. You can solo any instrument. You can mute or solo groupings of instruments. You can use the fader to leave, let's say, if you want to, like, um, if you just want to hear, like, vestiges of the soloist of the player, but you don't want to hear them really loud, you can also use the fader to do that. You can move any instrument, pan them from left to right. It comes with the charts of all of the songs, of all of the parts for all of the songs, so you have all of the lead sheet music there, information as well. You also have a looping function. So let's say you want to just play like a four or five bar passage and just loop that. You can totally do that. And you also have tempo controlling. So you can slow the song down to a pretty insane amount and also speed the song up, right? So 10 times as fast, 10 times as slow. So no matter what level you are, it gives you the ability to be able to exist in our musical reality in a way that has never existed before. So, so we're, we're really excited about it. The kids worldwide are going nuts over this thing, right? Um, because, you know, as an educational tool, it's really cool. But part of what they really dig is sort of what you said, is that you also get to play with the dope musicians, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, even, I'm not, listen, I'm not a kid anymore. But if I, yeah. <laughs> if I had the opportunity, right, to, to, to sit down at, at my instrument and, and just be sitting in there with that band, um, you know, it just, oh, it's just an amazing enhancement to the experience for a musician. It's really, really very cool. So, um, so it, it's been out for about a year, right? It came out the 24th of September in, in 2015. And so it's wonderful to hear. So it's been received really, really well. Incredibly well, man. I mean, that's, we can't, you know. It's like everywhere I go, people are, and there are some people that are really honest, you know, they're like, you know, I, I wasn't really a fan of your music, I've never really heard your music and wasn't aware of you, but I had friends that were like, you have to check out this incredibly cool new technology and got the record through that way and love it and listen to it and play with it every day and, you know, it's, it changed my practicing and all of these things. So, so we've been fortunate that the reception of it has been so amazing, but what's been really great is everywhere we go, like, you know, we, we generally tour between 270 to 300 days a year, most years, the last couple of years. Right. So we're everywhere all the time, right? So we were just in, in North Africa, right? We're, you know, we're going to be on the West Coast and we go to Japan and back to Europe. We were just there for seven weeks, about a month ago. So... It doesn't matter where we end up going. Everyone has this stuff. And it's, it's a lot of times with this particular record, Stretch Music, more people have the app than have the record. And the record <laughs> was the number one record in 22 countries. That's bad, right? That's so I'm so serious. And this is what's really weird about it. And I get sometimes I get frustrated with people. Um, and I'm just like, no, you just got to pay closer attention because sometimes they'll have the record 
and they'll buy the app. And I feel bad, you know, like they wasted their money because the app is the record. It is the record. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, no, you pay for it twice. You didn't even do that, you know. So, but, uh, you know, so I've, I've had a couple folks say, oh, really? I didn't realize that, you know. So, yeah, but, again, you know, I'm kind of old school in that way, so I would probably be the guy that, you know, I'm going to want to have the record. Exactly. Exactly. Because I need yeah. to sit, I need to sit with it. With a you know with a scotch and, and the lights low and just listen to it you know so yeah, so I'm one of those I'm buying both of them. So. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> so listen, I don't want I know you're you're getting ready to to get out um, to go to Long Beach over the weekend, and by the time this airs, you'll have already played the Harlem stage in uh, in New York, which I just moved out of the New York area last year, and and I'm. I would like nothing better to see you on that stage um, in October. Oh, man, we're going to have so much fun because we're starting. So I'm taking over as an artist in residence there. Man, there's a lot going on with Harlem State. So we're doing performance uh, to sort of kick everything off. But then we're going to have our own festival um, every year in February, right? So February 17th and 18th of this year uh, is going to be the first stretch music festival, and that is going to really be insane. So if you're around, that's a great time. Well, of course, our band will be playing, but you'll be able to hear all of the younger developing bands that are playing in this band will also be there, right? So, oh, that's fantastic. Be really cool. Yeah. Gonna be and really then, cool. then after that, you're heading off to, to Europe for a couple of months, and, and yeah. um, which is – and now uh, not all your dates are, are up on your website, but uh, like you said before, you're – you're pretty much an easy guy to find because you're on the road an awful lot. So yeah, yeah, people don't have to wait long for me to be near them. <laughs> you know, and well, depends. I guess it depends on where you live, right? Uh, we don't yeah. we don't make our way into you know Mongolia or Tanzania <laughs> or you know we don't make our way into these places so often. But um, uh, but generally with we're within you know 300 to 500 miles of a place <laughs> at least well, twice a year. Uh, hopefully you'll be within three to five hundred miles of of Nashville. Very, you know, not before too long. Because uh, I'm dying. Oh yeah, we'll definitely we definitely got to get that get that way when the next record comes out in February. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so listen for for more information on on Christian Scott. Just it's real simple. Uh, you can hit him up on the internet at christianscott.tv, and that's all this touring information, and his outreach information, and the information on on the um, the Stretch Music app. Um, and and just his records and everything else in general. Um, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time. It's really been a lot of fun and learned an awful lot from you. Um, so hopefully... No, thank you. I've had a blast. Excellent, excellent. So when the new record comes out, let's get back in touch again and, and kind of talk about that a little bit. I would, I would love that. And I know... I know our audience is going to be be really thrilled to have heard from you and talk to you because uh, you know because of what you do and how you make it sound and stuff. So so thanks, I really Thank appreciate you. it. No, thanks is all mine. I appreciate you. Excellent. Thank you. For more information on Christian, his tour dates, the Guardian Institute, or the Stretch Music app, please visit www.christianscott.tv. That's www.christianscott.tv. Please keep an eye out for the next listening room, but in the meantime, you can check out Kef at Kef.com and at KefDirect.com. You can also stay up to date with all things Kef by following us on Twitter at Kef underscore America and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Kef America. You can also drop us a line at the listening room at KefAmerica.com. My name is Jack Sharkey, and this is The Listening Room, and we'll see you next time.